Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today we have on Keller Williams uh, owner, broker, CEO, superstar woman, Joanna Odebajan. Yes, all of that's correct except the broker. I am a licensed salesperson. I am not the broker. Really? Yes. Well, buff, bust that myth right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who's the broker then? Just a quick Jennifer shout out. Jennifer Martin is the broker of record for Keller Williams Fresno. There we go. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I didn't realize that. Yep. Well, we, uh, we're happy to have you on today. Uh, we're really interested because you have a background in obviously running Keller Williams Fresno. Um, you have a background in business organization, in teaching, and in real estate. And so we felt that you'd be a great person to have on to talk to people about maybe not only how to get started, how you got started, but also how you've managed to grow, things that you do on a daily basis to keep growing. Awesome. So we're excited. Can you give us a little background? How did you get into real estate? So let's see. In 2005, I got my real estate license and uh, my first child was three years old in 2005 and my second child was a year old. And um, I did it because I thought, well, I'm a third generation realtor and -hmm. it's probably just a good thing for me to have. My intention was to help my mom with her business. She's a busy real estate agent and I thought, well, I'll just be her transaction coordinator. I was um, a high school teacher at that point. I taught second language learners how to speak English um, at the 10th, 11th, and 12th grade level. Um, Where so at? Central High East. So go if Central any of High. our former Grizzlies are out there, <laughs> go Grizzlies. And, um, and uh, that was gonna be my plan. When you're two teachers and you're on a fixed income. So my husband's a teacher, I'm a teacher, and it's a great career path. It's a noble, awesome profession. But the fact of the matter is, um, it's really hard to make more money mm-hmm. when you're a teacher. So I always found myself doing extra jobs. I would do transaction coordination for my mom, or I would do some sort of startup business or something because I knew that I didn't want to tell my kids no. Mm. So in 2006, my youngest brother called, it was January of 2006, and he said, Joe, I am calling because I just got my 1099 and completed my first year of selling real estate full time, and I'm curious, how much was your W-2 for teaching? Yeah. Competitive family. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And can I cuss on this show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I said, you asshole, I know what you're doing. (laughs) I I totally know what you're doing. But let me first remind you I have 10 weeks off a year. I have a stipend for having a bilingual teaching credential. I'm the head of my department. I'm the varsity cheer coach. And I was telling him that because all of those things made me that much more money, right? Mm So he's like, just tell me how much did you make? And my answer is really embarrassing. This was in 2006, I was making $47,000 as a teacher in my eighth year teaching. And how many hours were you working, would you say? A ton. Like, no no poor teacher out there ever just works a 40 hour week. Like, Mm -hmm. you're, you're giving your all, you're working extra you're coaching mm-hmm. you're you know being on various committees you're doing all of these things and so a lot of hours and i was also doing a little side hustle job just to bring in extra money so right. that i didn't have to tell my kids no yeah so he told me he's like okay well thank you so much for telling me that number i'll talk to you later and i said no 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 i i know i told you i know what this is about 
how much did you make? And so his first year selling real estate, he made 87,000. That was his, his gross commission income. And when he told me that, my heart completely sunk because I felt like I was doing the more noble profession. Mm -hmm. like I was a teacher and he was selling houses. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't get it. Right yeah. now I get it. Like when you <laughs> yeah. sell houses, you help people accumulate wealth. You give people a shot at changing their lives forever. But I was so fixated on- You realized what you were doing well. What I was doing, yeah. yeah. I, there was too much ego, way too much ego. Um, I was 32, I think, at that point. Um, I'm 46 now, so do the math, there you go. Um, so he hung up and I picked up the phone and called my husband's classroom because he was a teacher at the same high school that I was at. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I'm gonna resign tomorrow. Wow. And he's like, you can't do that. Like, we have to have two incomes. How are we going to pay for daycare? We don't have enough of a reserve account um, to to give you time to go out and close real estate transactions. Because, yeah. you know, it could take three it months or takes. six months or, yeah. And I told him, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm going to figure this out because I want a different life. So that was January. I had an amazing student teacher at that time, and I worked through some big hurdles to get my district mm -hmm. to um, agree to let me have a year off. Mm. A year off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started with that. So I was I was worried. Like, mm -hmm. what if I didn't like it? What if yeah. real estate wasn't for me? What if everybody in my family was good at real estate except for me? Mm -hmm. um, because everyone in my family is licensed, you guys. Right. Uh, everyone. I'm yeah. third generation. <laughs> my brothers, my uncles, my aunts, my brother-in-laws, my um, everybody has a real estate license. And I was worried that maybe I wouldn't have enough people that were mine mm -hmm. to, to become future clients. Gotcha. I, was, I was wrong. Totally right. wrong. Um, but I worked it out and on February 16th, 2006, so just only a few weeks later, I walked out. And February 17th, the very next day, I started selling real estate for Westland Realty and Investment Inc., which was my grandpa's real estate company that mm. was here in Fresno. Um, later, we became Keller Williams in 2009. We became Keller Williams. Um, but that's that's my big start. And thanks to to my brother Justice and to my brother Jared and to my, my mom, Jennifer, um, because they all saw something in me mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. and were there to support me while I made that transition. There awesome. You go. Well, yeah. let's talk about that transition a little bit more yeah. too. What was it about your teaching background that helped you with all the success that you've, that you've seen in yeah. real estate? Um, so that's a great question. The first thing is that, um, I was a good teacher, a really good teacher. And um, when you're a teacher, you're taught to follow a plan. And when you have something that works and you get results, um, you keep doing it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I taught second language learners how to speak English. I had nine different languages spoken in my class and I had a program that um, we had dialed in and it was working. And, and because of that program, we carried our whole entire district through an audit because our kids scores were so high so that's directly transferable into real estate you give me a good recipe and a good lesson plan right you tell me exactly what I have to do 
and I'm going to carry it out because I don't have time to to waste. Gotcha. Right? That's for me. Time is the most important thing, and so I'm not gonna I'm not going to ham and haw or um, try things out. I want to know what works, what top producers are doing, and I'm gonna follow that. So. That was the first thing when I was at Westland Realty. We were really um, big on coaching. So mm-hmm. I had a Mike Ferry coach. Um, almost all of the agents in our, our company at that point were all coached by someone from the Mike Ferry organization. And tracking your numbers was huge. And so, you know, as a teacher, that that makes sense to me. You've, right. you've yeah. got to be able to show games. You're watching. So you, mm-hmm. track, you track your numbers and you track your progress. So... Uh, the ability to implement a good lesson plan was the first transferable skill. I also got started in a company that didn't have any Spanish speakers, and I mentioned that to you, and I speak Spanish. And so that was neat because I was able to touch um, a niche market, you know, a, a segment that no a one else in our, yeah. our company was able to um, for many months. Um, and that was great. And then I think the ability to um, stand in front of people and to teach and to present was really important because that's what you do when you're a real estate agent. You're mm-hmm. guiding people through a process and you have to explain it. And, um, and so those were, those were some of the skills that were helpful. Yeah. And I want to go back to a phrase that you touched on. You said time is the most important thing, right? So everyone's got the same 24 hours in the day. Um, how do you organize your day to make sure you're using your time most efficiently? Yeah, I block my time. So if you were to look at my calendar, you would see a lot of colors on it. <laughs> and um, I'm glad that you asked me this because it's something I, I really think I'm good at. And I have an 18-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter, and I haven't quite been able to get them to implement the calendaring system yet. But I time block. So I time block for um, lead generating, finding new business, and on my calendar it's in green, mm-hmm. and um, it's the it's the same time every day. It might be different like times during the week, like Wednesday it might be at nine thirty in the morning yeah. or Tuesday, but it's always in dark green. Um, anything that's like personal is in pink, and that's something that only I can do. Um, and so maybe it's. Um, it wouldn't be an appointment with um, with an agent because now my job is not selling houses. Now my job is um, helping the grow agents. the company, yeah. right? And I do that by helping our own agents become productive, and I also do that by bringing in agents from the outside. But it would be a pink would be something that I have to do. Yeah, I have two um, appointments on my calendar every day at at one thirty and at three thirty, and those are in a, a lighter green. And mm. some days I don't know whose name is going to go in that slot. But I'm always working to fill a 1.30 or a 3.30 and sometimes a 10.30 slot, depending on mm. um, how many appointments that I have set for the week. And so, and then coaching is in red. And if I'm coaching agents um, from within our company, that's in red also. So that, that's how I prioritize it. Oh, family. The family's purple. And, there you go. Um, and the way I do my calendar is I first... Um, October is a perfect month. September is a perfect month to do that, um, especially if anybody out there has kids because you get your kids' school calendar. Mm. And so I first go in and I block off all of the days I'm not going to work for the next year. 
So if I know that I'm not working two weekends out of the month, I'm crossing that off in black. If I know I'm taking a holiday because my kids are off that day, I cross that off in black. Um, if I know that the family's planning a vacation for some time in July, maybe I don't have the exact dates, I block those off. Mm. Um, and any appointments, other personal appointments, like a birthday or something yeah. that I might want to take off, I, I block all of that first. And then I know how many days I have to work. Oh. And um, then I can go in and I can set my work schedule. But if I don't plan, I'm, I'm a worker. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't plan my time off, You'll spend and my it appointments all there. with myself, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, I'll you spend it all it. there. And and my promises to the family. Like, how sad is it to think that you may have told your family we're going to go to Disneyland this weekend, but you never put it on your calendar, and now you can't. Now you can't. Yeah. So I had a uh, young guy call me yesterday. He's not young, but he's new to sales, yeah. and he called and he said, uh, you know, he actually called my cousin, and we were talking, and he said, hey, like I don't know how to deal with being in a job now where I'm the boss of my time. Do you have any recommendations when you meet with those, you know, people that are new to sales? Hey, this is like what you just said is you've already gone through and like you said, you've gotten like a system that works. Yeah. Do you have like a starting jumping point? Like this is the first thing that you should do when you get into sales. Like how would that day look? Sometimes people think that you have to do it all in one day. And sometimes that's just not realistic. So if that young man or that person, Mm. let's say, had 200 people that he needed to get through, he first would need to know that it's not going to all happen. (laughs) Right. That's an unrealistic number. So I would have to break it down. And so I would say, okay, let's let's do this. Let's try, depending on the type of job or the type of sales Mm -hmm. it, it is, let's try for 20 a day. Like, can you make 20 contacts a day. If that's unrealistic because of the other responsibilities he has, then maybe it's 10 or maybe it's five. But what I found is that most often people try to accomplish too much because they think that Mm. they're gonna be able to do more because they want to, they really want to, but you are limited. Um, I just hired my first virtual assistant Mm. And um, the the process that she and I are going through working on this one big project is huge. And, um, and there's some days that we might only be able to get through 15 contacts, putting all of the correct data and all the metrics and everything in that we want to because it's just harder than you think. And yeah. so for me, when I started in the business, I always would um, consider it an event, right? These 20 people are an event. And um, I had to realize it's, business is a process Mm-hmm. not an event. Mm. And um, for years I couldn't even say that because my brain was so wired to think that it was just a big It was going to happen event. one time. Yeah, so I would tell him to chunk his time um, and, um, and to really make a list of the most important things that he has to do because not everything is yeah. important. When do you do your most important tasks in a day? Because you have a lot of responsibilities probably your days go sideways just like ours do. What do you do to kind of try to hold back on that to stay organized? Do you have a system for like, you know, I do it like certain tasks at this time of day or? So in all honesty, yes, because it's on my calendar that way. But sometimes I have to switch my calendar around. And so what you erase, you must replace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have a goal of two appointments a day. And if I don't get to have two appointments a day, then I'm going to figure out what I have to 
do to make that happen? And I'm not going to beat myself up. Sometimes things happen. Um, like I had an appointment today and it, it rescheduled. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter how prepared you are or what you ask them to bring. Sometimes stuff just happens. And so, um, so I generally like to make my calls mid-morning. Mm-hmm. But I have a better success rate, believe it or not, between 3.30 and 5, mm-hmm. getting hold of people and setting appointments. Yeah. And so um, sometimes it's that easy. And I play games with myself. So I'll say you can't get up from your desk or you can't walk out of your office until yeah. you've made this many calls or mm. until you've done this. And, yeah. And that makes it. You're fun. very competitive and it's very apparent that your whole family's pretty competitive. So that probably plays a big part in your business. Yeah, I think I'm um, I'm competitive with myself. I'm not um, I'm not competitive with other people, and there's certain things that I won't be competitive for. Like, like I don't like carrots being dangled. Like, if somebody says to me, "Oh, if you do this, then you get this," um, like that's something that you aren't really motivated I'm, by. I'm not. Hmm. I'm more motivated intrinsically. And, um, and by being able to not tell my kids no. And I know that sounds really <laughs> funny, but if, if somebody needs gas money, and, and, and I'm saying it about little things too. Yeah. Right. Or if they um, want to, like last night my daughter wanted to go to dinner with her friends and she's 16 years old. Yeah, I, I just want to always be able to provide make things happen. Yeah. Provide. Yeah. Hmm. I grew up, um, my dad's a minister. And my mom, like I said, is a real estate agent. My dad's a real estate broker now too. Um, But when I grew up, my dad had a church. And my mom took care of our family with her real estate um, commissions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes money was really tight. And so I knew that she didn't want to tell us no. It was always the little things that she told us no about. Big things she always could figure out. So if mm. my brother came home and said, I want to go on the eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C., or mm-hmm. I want to be on the junior Olympic volleyball team, or I want to be uh, on the cheer squad and our uniform is going to be $800, mm-hmm. my mom had no problem figuring out the big money stuff. Mm. But the little stuff would crumble her. Like if we'd ask for lunch money or money to go out with friends. and mm-hmm. So maybe that's where that, that comes from. But... Um, Interesting. Yeah. Gotcha. Is that kind of, is what you would say your kind of driving force between for your self-motivation and yourself being competitive with yourself? Is it that? I think so. Yeah. I think it's, it's knowing that I value my time and I want to be rewarded for it so that I can fund the life that I want to mm. live. There you gotcha. go. And before, where the change in me happened was before I was not funding the life I wanted to live. I was funding a feeling. Like being a teacher felt good. Yeah. Right? And then I had to realize that being a real estate agent felt good too. Because when you put a person in their home and when you tell them, gosh, you're now 35% more wealthy than someone who doesn't own a home, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that's an amazing feeling. And then when they call you, and you had this I happen this. recently, yeah. and they refinance, and their home has gone up in value, and they're able to get a lower interest rate, and maybe they take some of that money and do an improvement on their home that they wouldn't have been able to do, 
or when they turn around and sell it two years later and they make $135,000 and they're able to put $75,000 down for a new home and use that balance for whatever else yeah. it is they want, right? That's an amazing feeling. And, and so in my role now, I don't get to represent home buyers or home sellers. But mm -hmm. what I get to do is I get to take exactly what I've done um, as the, the team leader of Keller Williams. So in 2009, we, um, we decided, my mom, my dad, and one of my brothers, that we were going to open a Keller Williams franchise. And I'm, I'm an owner, a partner with them in that. And um, we took those models and systems, and we've grown from um, a small 11 agents all the way up to maybe 188 or 189. I've had as many as 209. Mm. So we're a, li a little bit we're a little lower. lower now. And um, that's because we've raised our standards. Which is good. Which is good. It's really good. And, um, and so I get to teach people how to run businesses using the same lesson plan or models and systems that I um, have used to grow and um, maintain Keller Williams. And um, this year, we've added 147, over 147 million in volume. Um, and, and that's just since May. So COVID wow. hit and we realized that we had mm. to act fast. We had to make changes in our business. Mm. We had to pivot because if we stayed the same, we are gonna shrivel up and die. And, and I mean that. And so I had to go from having a fixed mindset, this is the way we've always done it, this is how it's always been, to rethinking everything on a dime. And, um, and so I have a great leadership team here at Keller Williams. Mm -hmm. Ariane Garavesh is, um, is our market center administrator, which means he's in charge of operations and I'm in charge of growth. Um, and he's a wonderful business partner. He'll we be had on to, next week. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. So we had to go in and we had to look at our whole business model, our whole commission structure. We had to um, get real and realize that we, we had to make changes quick or else. And by doing that, what we did is we fortified ourselves. We fortified our business and we allowed for growth to happen. And so um, it's, this year has been a really fantastic uh, leadership journey for me. Mm -hmm. It's been hard. I feel like I have more wrinkles and bags under my eyes than I ever have. Um, and, and the education has been priceless. So I, I would say becoming a team leader of Keller Williams in 2009 when I did, which I can't even believe it, it's been that long, um, is the most priceless education that I've ever had because to take someone who thought like a teacher and acted like a teacher and believed that she was a teacher and turn her into a business person who fully understands business financials, profit and loss statements, gap analysis, and I can figure out anything now um, because of the practical experience and then what I've learned from uh, an amazing model mm -hmm. and system, yeah. of an amazing lesson plan. Yeah. I want to take a minute and talk about the importance of a team, right? Yeah. I mean, and going back a little bit, you brought up hiring your first virtual assistant, right? Talking about, um, you know, raising the standards for who you want to be with yeah. uh, around the office, your leadership team. How do you make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right people or hiring the right people in the case of the VA? How, how, do, you how do you make sure you do that? Yeah. So um, you've heard the saying, I can tell you are the sum of the five people you hang around mm -hmm. most. So um, 
I've learned a lot about hiring um, through Keller Williams. So we have a process here called the Keller Personality Assessment. Um, that's not the process. The process is career visioning, but the assessment is the Keller Personality Assessment. Before that, it was um, called something different. And um, I have gone through that training multiple times, and it teaches me how to establish goals with people, to have a 30, 60, 90 day plan. It gives me the questions to ask when I'm hiring. And um, our personality assessment is just, it's brilliant. So if you were to take the assessment, it would overlay your personality traits against every position within Keller Williams. So, and when I say every position, I mean uh, um, a local team, a, a regional position within Keller Williams Realty mm -hmm. International, a position at Keller Williams Realty International, coaching, like it'll lay it all out. And the purpose of that is that we find the right fit for you because we know that you're going to excel when you're doing the traits or the job or the roles or the activities um, that are easiest for you, right? And so I use that assessment in helping hire and, um, and we do every part of it. So we validate the personality assessment. We ask key questions. We check references. Mm -hmm. I've made mistakes, <laughs> and um, and I've hired the wrong people. I've I've put the wrong people in the wrong roles, mm -hmm. um, and I've learned a lot from that. But that that same process is how we build teams, or how we teach agents to build teams here at Keller Williams. The virtual assistant that I just hired came on recommendation. Everyone has a hero, right? Mm -hmm. So I love Tristan Amwada, who is part of the Lab Coat Agents. Are you guys familiar with that? I'm not. So the Lab Coat Agents is a Facebook group. Two guys run it, Nick and, um, and Tristan. Nick Baldwin is actually out of Ohio, and um, he's a regional trainer for Keller Williams, and Tristan is a coach and an agent. And... Um, Tristan has this really great newsletter called A Brilliant Tribe. And not everyone is a newsletter reader. I, I like newsletters. I, I mm -hmm. love to read. And um, he, it, he has this amazing newsletter. Anyway, at the bottom of it, it says, this is who I use to hire a virtual assistant. And be, because you're the sum of who you hang around or who whose emails you read mm -hmm. or whatever, I went with his recommendation and um, and I got my virtual assistant through mm. through that company, Virtue Desk. Awesome. You mm -hmm. you mentioned you've made some mistakes. Yeah. With either hiring the wrong person or putting the wrong person in the wrong task. Yeah. Uh, how did you remedy those? What was kind of the plan of action and, and what was the giveaway? What was the tall tale that said that maybe you had made the wrong decision? It's usually... Well, there's a whole bunch of warning signs, but usually productivity starts to slip away. How quickly do you see that? You see it pretty quickly. So most of the time, all the time, <laughs> it's I'm not going anywhere. So it's them that's going to go. Mm -hmm. right? And either we'll move them into another position or we'll um, determine that we're not a fit mm. anymore. So I think that's... You know that's that's part of the process. They mm -hmm. nor they normally know. Right? They start realizing. They it pretty start quick. realizing yeah. it pretty quick. Yeah, hmm. I have waited too long to let somebody go before. Um, what happens? Well, a couple things can happen. One, you can create internal problems for yourself. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not meaning inside yourself. I'm meaning inside your organization. Your mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, that person can become um, jaded or um, can not have the same energy that they did before and drag other people down mm-hmm. with them. Um, or you may have, I may have known that I should have let him go because something wasn't getting done, but it was still perceived to everybody else that they were doing a good job. And then when you do let them go, everybody's mad at you mm-hmm. <laughs> because you've let somebody go. Yeah. And on, on hiring issues, those are sensitive issues where you don't get to talk personnel like with the whole organization here. I have 189 yeah. agents. I have five employees, right? Mm-hmm. And so... If something happens internally with one of my employees, that's an internal HR issue. That's not something I get to discuss with everyone. And so one of the things I like to remind people is there are always two sides to to every story. Mm -hmm. So hiring is tough. Today I'm really really aware of the whole hiring situation. I'm looking for a new position on my leadership team, possibly two. And I'm thinking back to all of the conversations I've had, all of the training seminars I've been to, all the mega camps and the family Mm. reunions, where all of the people who are way out producing me say, you have to master hiring. You have to master hiring. And you always have to be building your bench. You can't wait to Mm -hmm. build your bench because (laughs) if you wait and start after that person's gone, then you get to take back those tasks that you didn't want to do and now you have to do because you don't have a person anymore and so i'm i'm thinking that's where i have a great opportunity for learning right now Mm -hmm. is um i i think i'm pretty good at the hiring process i'm not good enough at having an already built bench i'd like to be better at that um and you're saying like the already built bench as in almost like a sports team where if one of your star players is out like I know you who I'm going you to rotate next. the next person in. Oh, yeah. have you ever said that? Have you ever said, man, if um, okay, in any relationship, if I uh-huh. wasn't in this per- in, with this person, I'd go to that person next, right? That's yeah. that's the same as in, in business, and I've met those people all along, but what I haven't done is I haven't kept a list. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wish that I would have because I in my notes in my phone I keep a lot of lists of things mm-hmm. or random thoughts. I even mm-hmm. have a list of songs I would sing karaoke to. <laughs> yeah, so like if I hear, I will survive Glorious Gainer. <laughs> um, I do um, a, a really great one, Total Eclipse of the Heart in Spanish. Ooh, there it is. I can rock it. It's, it's we'll my, make it. We'll make it the intro to the podcast. The intro to, to this podcast. episode. It's my, it's my secret party trick. There you go. Yeah. So, um, but I have I have a list in my phone of the songs I want to sing in the future. Mm-hmm. What I need to do is every time I meet a really awesome person, and I say to myself, I would like to be in business with that person. I need to stop and make a mental note of that right then and there. Because right now I've got one or two spots that I want to fill and I'm pedaling, 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 pedaling mm-hmm. in my mind to think who would fill those spots. But I know that three or four times probably in the last couple of years I've yeah. said, I'm going to go for that person. Emily that works for us is mm-hmm. uh, one of those people and I did go for her. So I met her at um, a friend's um, house hanging out in the backyard. She was super awesome. I could tell she was loyal, a hard worker and... Um, and was good at prioritizing things. And I said, 
I want you to know I'm coming for you. <laughs> and I told her, as soon as I have a position open, I'm going to come for you. And I did. And then Arian didn't agree. And he suggested that we not hire her. So we hired somebody else. And I told her, don't worry. I'm coming for you. <laughs> like, he, we're just not in agreement. He's my partner. But that doesn't mean that you're not fantastic. It just means that he thinks we need you for a different position. And so um, as soon as he realized that we didn't make the right hire, yeah, we went and got Emily. And how long ago was that? Oh, gosh. I think it's been a couple of years yeah. now. And, um, Emily's and great. they're a dynamic duo. They work so yeah. well together. Yeah. So well. And she's a good... Um, you know you have empire builders and empire protectors. Mm-hmm. She's a protector. She is a good empire protector. If you need Watching somebody out to for build the issues. Yep. Build That's a awesome. wall. Yeah. So Awesome. And shifting gears a little bit towards uh, we were talking uh, at lunch before this kind of our main audience is kind of that younger age like the 18 or 20 to 30 or or 35. Yeah. In your experience in the business and you know all the people you've helped and coached and guided what are some of the biggest or the most common mistakes that you see a lot of young entrepreneurs make they quit too early that's the first one um sometimes quitting's not necessary you just have to change what you're doing and mm. um also not asking for help mm. um, everybody needs a coach if you ask me, I um, have always had a coach since I got into real estate, always. I could not do my job without a coach. So even if you can't afford coaching, there's a lot of ways to get it for free. You can get an accountability partner. Get on a team. Um, you can be yeah. on a team. Even within our organization, do you know, if I if I wanted to, I could probably have a free coaching session every single day. And um, and there's there's a lot of ways that I could do it. I could start off by going into maps and there mm-hmm. are all of these fast track coaching programs that I could sample. I could sample every single one <laughs> of them before signing up. And um, and I'd have I'd have 30 days of coaching. Wow. Mm-hmm. Easily just in doing that. Yeah. But I could also reach out because people in our in our company are so willing to help um, and not just locally, but but nationally and even internationally. And so um, quitting too early and not asking for help. Um, in real estate sales, I really feel like you have to become a master of the contract. Mm. And um, you have to read it. And and so if you're not willing to read the contract and know what it says, good luck. Yeah, It's going to be a tough road. Yeah, And you're going to have a lot of disappointments. And you're going to have a lot of emotion in your transactions. Um so those would be some of the key things. And I, I really think that you also have to get comfortable being bored. What do you because, mean? Why? Because you do a lot of the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> well, that's every job, right? Well, I like to think that, but people, people, if people did the same things over and over and over in real estate, they would have... A different result yeah right like sometimes people say that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over <laughs> and expecting a different result right but in real estate if you're doing the right thing over and over and over you're talking to enough people you're lead generating you're doing those same tasks over and over your business is going to naturally 
expand and bloom. And I, I think also people get impatient. Mm-hmm. So they could quit too early or they just get frustrated because it's not happening fast enough. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm 11 years in and I'm not where I want it to be. Really? I'll, I'll be really honest. Like some people say to me, you grew too fast. No, I haven't. I haven't grown fast enough. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say, you're, you've done this. Or and in, in my mind, I haven't done enough. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it takes time. But Ben Kenny, who's another one of my heroes, and Gary Keller both say that you're five years away from anywhere you want to be. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I want to talk a little bit, and you've talked a little bit about it already, um, but going back to your position, what you do yeah. here, what are some of the daily challenges outside of, you know, the reschedules and the scheduling stuff that we know always pops up? What are some daily challenges that you have and you face daily with running and managing this this business? Yeah. So I'm going to be totally transparent. Um, perception. People have a different perception of me um, because other people, other companies, other leaders of other companies have been telling a different story about Mm. me and my company. And so perception is something I fight on a regular basis. And one of the things that I've learned is you have to be the author of your own story and you have to be comfortable telling it. So while the industry out there says that I'm a recruiter, I'm not. I don't have to recruit people. By the time I have an appointment with them, they've already made a decision that they're making a move. So I'm a consultant. I help them grow their business. And I meet with them to see if, if we're going to be a fit. And we might not be. And, that, and that's okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So perception is the, the first thing. I think um, because it's a family business, I don't get credit for growing the company. And, and I'm okay with that because I signed up as part of a team, right? My mom, my dad, and my brother and I opened this company together. It was not established. I grew it from the ground up. And, um, and, and that, that's a fact. It wasn't an already established company that was handed over to me. We had 11 agents and mm-hmm. I built it with, with the help of some really, really great people. So perception is, is something I fight on a regular basis and I don't like to go head to head with people because my competition is um, is not local like mm. my competition is is me and um, and I I'm not a mean person at all and so I don't think that you win fighting um, by fighting back I think you win by doing the right things and leading with example and um, and and comparing yourselves to people who are doing the things that you want to do. So there's no local real estate company here in town that's doing what I want to do. Mm. There's no local company here in town that has a vision like Gary Keller, who is the the founder and CEO of Keller Williams Realty. And so uh, I'm on a totally different trajectory and path than any of the the companies here. And so I'm only going to compare myself to the people who have the same resources and tools that I do. And so that, that's probably my biggest daily fight. And, and the other one is I see greatness in everyone. And so it's getting people to see their own greatness. 
And mm-hmm. that's frustrating because sometimes you're like, oh my <laughs> gosh, like you're, you're almost there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, they'll stop or they'll give up or they don't, they don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't bring anybody into this company who I don't like. Mm. And so, um, you know, I, I want, I don't want to have to run and hide behind a door because right. I don't want to see that person. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so those are, those are daily struggles. And then the shifts in business and, um, and in my role, I get to hear, I get to hear about everybody's life, which is both good <laughs> and bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there are so many amazing stories floating around this office, like people's lives, stories are amazing people are freaking miracles how people survive some of the things that they survive i do not know Mm -hmm. so that's a that's a plus but it's also like a bummer sometimes because Mm -hmm. you feel like you're a little bit of a counselor Mm -hmm. gotcha it just comes with the job though right well i mean we always like to ask our guests like is there anything that you want to share with the young people listening right now young business people um, maybe a tip or anything that you've got or that you'd like to share. Yeah, you're. Um, if you're 18, you're not too young to get into real estate, and you should. And um, you should know it's going to take a little while, probably three years before you're really like up and going. And your first year, you probably want to set four thousand dollars away, and your second year, you probably want to set three thousand dollars away. And your third year, another three thousand, just to run your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to plug in. Don't don't think that you can do real estate as a hobby. Um, some people say that they're in the real estate business, but they don't have a real estate business. Right. And um, here, it's really important to us that you come because you want to have a business. And so um, I would say um, compose yourself, act older than you look, and um, and you're not you're not too young. You're not too young at all. Awesome. And if anyone does have any questions or they do want to reach out to you or pick yeah. your brain or, um, you know, ask you a little more about something you shared today, what's the best way to contact you? Um, so you can um, email me at Joanna O, J-O-A-N-N-A, and then the letter O at kw.com. Or um, you can call me direct at 559-320-0601. And that's my desk. So definitely um, leave a message if you, do, if you don't get me. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Joanna, thank you so much for coming on. I know uh, we both appreciate it and, you know, the story and taking taking us through everything you had to share with us. I know our our listeners appreciate it and we appreciate it very much. So thank you so much for coming on. You guys go tackle the world. There we go. We're going to (laughs) try. Awesome. Thanks, Joanna. Thank you.